Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Monday, November 1st. Today on the show, the Georgia Bulldogs clinch a spot in the SEC championship game. Nashville SC had a huge match with Orlando City on Sunday. The Preds got a win on Saturday, but of course, we begin with the Tennessee Titans somehow, someway, finding a way to win against the Indianapolis Colts. If you live in Nashville and you own a home, you need to know the name The Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. They are a locally owned, award-winning custom home and remodeling firm, and they've been successful in this business for over a decade in this market because they do it the right way. You can trust that they will have your best interests at heart. Call them. Give them a ring. Just talk to them. Have a conversation. I guarantee you, you will learn something that will help you throughout your process of home ownership. Just give them a call. The Kingston Group. If you're thinking about something for next year, five years from now, next month, you need to talk with them. BuildKG.com. That's the Kingston Group. It was an insanely important game for both the Titans and the Colts, and both teams played like it, so of course it went into overtime. The third such overtime game for the Titans this season, and somehow the Titans won 34-31 to take a commanding lead in the AFC South. Ryan Tannehill wasn't particularly good on the day, taking three sacks and throwing two interceptions and routinely failing to recognize the pressure before the snap. But he also threw three touchdowns and picked up a couple of key first downs with his legs. Derrick Henry was largely irrelevant, rushing for 68 yards on 28 carries. That's 2.4 yards per carry. But clearly all of the focus that the Colts were giving Henry allowed A.J. Brown to have the best game of his season. And the defense. The defense made a couple of big plays, like Elijah Molden's potential game-winning interception return for a touchdown with just over a minute left in a tie game. But then the defense gave up huge chunk plays with mistakes, allowing the Colts to tie the game on their final drive of regulation on the very next possession. In fact, Kevin Byard probably embodied the entire Titans' performance the most on Sunday. He largely played a solid game, but he was nailed for a long, critical pass interference penalty that allowed the Colts to send the game to overtime. It was a stupid football play. But after a few lackluster possessions from both teams in overtime, Bayard made up for it with a huge interception that set up the game-winning field goal. Randy Bullock drilled the 44-yarder with just over four minutes left in overtime to move the Titans to 6-2. and two. It was the team's fourth straight win overall and sixth straight win against the AFC South. And most importantly, it gives the Titans a three-game lead in the division and two-game sweep of their top competition. It wasn't pretty. It was extremely hard fought, as expected. There were some major mistakes, sloppy play, and the Colts largely won the line of scrimmage battle for most of the game. But like always, a Mike Vrabel coach team found some crazy and bizarre way to win yet another football game. I imagine that most of the players will watch film of this game, riding a roller coaster of dumb mistakes and also huge plays and a lot to work out in practice. Except probably one guy, A.J. Brown, who was the best player on the field, caught 10 passes for 155 yards and a game-changing 57-yard touchdown that probably saved the day for the Titans. They were down 14-0 at the time. Every time the Titans needed a big play in the second half, Brown was there. But even the star of the game needed a big 13-yard reception on the game-winning drive to make up for a dumb penalty that he had committed two plays earlier that knocked the offense out of field goal range. It was just one of those types of games. It was a wild and strange and confusing and imperfect game, and there was really no rhythm for either team for any part of the day. 
But after falling behind 14 to nothing and not even playing close to your best football, this Titans team still made the one extra play at the most critical time and walked away with a W. And in the NFL, that is literally all that matters. In the SEC, the Georgia Bulldogs, by way of their dominating win over the Florida Gators and Kentucky's very disappointing showing in Starkville, have clinched a spot in the SEC championship game. It is Georgia's fourth East Division title and trip to Atlanta in the last five seasons, and it's Kirby Smart's fourth trip in six seasons as the head coach of the Bulldogs. His only win in the game was back in 2017 when they beat Auburn. Otherwise, they've lost their last two trips to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, to Alabama in 18, and LSU in 19, both of whom went on to play for or win the national title. It's Georgia's ninth trip overall to the title game, which is third most in the SEC behind, of course, Alabama and Florida, who have both been 13 times. The loss for Kentucky also creates a fascinating dynamic for the upcoming home game against Tennessee. Kids in college football are emotional roller coasters from week to week, and managing that push and pull is one of the top job descriptions of a head coach. It's also what makes the college game great. And for Tennessee fans who want to argue that either A, they're just better than Kentucky and will just go up to Lexington and win, or that B, losing to Mississippi State shows that the Wildcats aren't all that good, I would present to you the Penn State Nittany Lions. One week ago, they played terrible football and lose to Illinois. The very next week, they play one of their best football games of the season and almost beat Ohio State on the road. It is what makes the college game so much more volatile than the NFL, and it is why Kentucky will likely have one of the best weeks of practice and preparation for the Vols. Tennessee can absolutely still go up to the Commonwealth and beat Kentucky. There's no argument there, but the loss almost guarantees that you're going to get the best version of the Wildcats. Elsewhere, Auburn and Bo Nix continue to look like one of the best teams in the conference, handling Ole Miss with relative ease on Saturday night. And it continues to look more and more like the Iron Bowl will be even bigger than anyone anticipated, whether it's Auburn fighting for a division title or potentially trying to create an opportunity and opening for Texas A&M to win a division title. Either way, the Iron Bowl looks bigger and bigger every single week that it goes along, as should be the case in the SEC West. Over on West End, Vanderbilt gave up the lead on the final drive of the first half and fought valiantly throughout the second half against Missouri. They cut the lead to three twice. They cut it to two one time, but could just never get the stop and follow-up score that they needed. And the Tigers won 38-27 in the end, moving Vanderbilt to 2-7 and and 0-5 in the SEC. That was Clark Lee's last real chance at an SEC win. They will be heavy underdogs to Kentucky in two weeks and for road trips to Ole Miss and Tennessee to end the season. That is now 18 consecutive SEC losses for the Commodores dating back to 2019. As it pertains to the playoff, there were lots of big implications across the SEC and around college football. And a reminder, the first rankings will come out on Tuesday evening. We will have thorough breakdowns for you tomorrow and Wednesday on the pod. Nashville SC played the second-to-last match of the regular season on Sunday in a 1-1 draw against Orlando City down in Florida. Orlando took the lead in the 18th minute, and Hani Mukhtar scored his 15th goal of the season to tie it back up in the 53rd. And in stoppage time at the end of the game, a controversial goal was called back, keeping the one point safe for Nashville SC. Daryl DK hit Alistair Johnson maybe right before he cleared the ball. It was very controversial. The bottom line is all you need to know is Nashville SC took a draw, took the one point, and has 53 points in the Eastern Conference. Unfortunately, Philadelphia won on Sunday night, picked up three points, and now has the tiebreaker over Nashville for second place in the Eastern Conference. They both have 53 points. On Decision Day coming up next Sunday in the final match of the season for both 
Nashville, and everybody else. The boys in gold will host the New York Red Bulls, who are currently in seventh place and playing some of their best soccer of the season, needing a win to clinch potentially a second-place spot and home field for two rounds of the MLS Cup playoffs. The Philadelphia Union will go on the road to play fourth-place New York City FC on decision day as well. New York City FC, of course, sitting in fourth place with 50 points, so even they with three points have a chance to jump into the fray with Philadelphia and Nashville. So there is still a lot left to be decided in the Eastern Conference. The draw was nice, certainly much better than the loss, considering how the end of the game could have finished. That coveted second-place spot in the Eastern Conference that, again, will give you two home playoff matches, should you win the first one, obviously, will be on the line on decision day with a whole lot left to be decided between Philadelphia, Nashville, and New York City, the second, third, and fourth-place teams in the Eastern Conference. That disallowed goal meant a whole lot to Nashville SC. Make sure you check out all the inner workings and all the machinations of all the playoff seating and possibilities with the Club and Country podcast out every single Tuesday. West Bowling and Tim Sullivan have you guys covered. Of course, that's Club and Country everywhere podcasts are found. The Nashville Predators, behind another great showing by UC Saros in net and two more goals from Tanner Janot, beat the New York Islanders on Saturday 3-2 in a shootout to move their record to 500 now at 4-4. Four four. That is Tanner Janot's third and fourth goals of the season, who is now your Nashville Predators' leading scorer. They've won three consecutive games. The power play's been solid. They're scoring enough goals, and they're beating good teams in the process. So after a really brutal start at 1-4, and four, they are now back even at 4-4, four and four, and we'll take on first place Calgary on Tuesday evening next up for the Predators. Big win on Saturday, though. Special thanks, of course, to the folks who bring you the 440 every single morning for free, the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Just keep that name in mind if you're a homeowner in Nashville. If you're looking to do some work on your house, make sure you remember the name, the Kingston Group. Just have a conversation with them. Even if you don't use them, I guarantee you they will help you along the way with their process because they care deeply about your home. BuildKG.com is the website. Thank you guys all for listening. Hope everybody had a great Halloween weekend. My name is Braden Gall. Follow me on the Twitters at Braden Gall, at 440 Media on Instagram. Please give us a follow over there as well. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share the show. Thank you again, all of you, for listening. This has been the 440 for Monday, November 1st. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler. 